The escalating dispute between the United States and China over Chinese telecom giant Huawei has contractors wondering about telecom policy generally. This as they try and keep track of local matters, such as which federal offices are reopening and whether contractors will be able to report in. Here with the latest thinking, the president and CEO of the Professional Services Council, David Berteau. And David, let's start with the Huawei situation. There is a sort of collision between rulemaking and statutory implementation dates over use of Huawei equipment by contractors. This one's getting hot, isn't it? It's getting hot and time is very short here, Tom. Um, you know, two years ago in August of, of uh, 2018, Congress passed and the president signed the Fiscal Year 19 National Defense Authorization Act. And it included a provision, Section 889, that had a number of, uh, of requirements. Um, those requirements largely implemented in two phases. The first phase was last August, uh, where uh, contractors were prohibited from using government funds to procure uh, uh, banned equipment, including, of course, Chinese uh, telecom from Huawei, et cetera. Um, the second phase, Section Part B, goes into effect this August, and that's less than two months away now. Um, and it, it bans federal contractors from using such equipment. Now, the term use doesn't have any definition in the statute, right? And so there's some, been some ambiguity of, you know, if you walk through an airport uh, and catch an airplane and the surveillance cameras in that airport or Huawei equipment are you using that equipment for your official contract actions? Well, by one stretch of definition, you are. By another definition, well, that's not using. You don't have any choice. You've got to fly on the airplane. You've got to walk sure. through the airport. Um, but the absence of any specificity here is causing grave concern. Uh, PSC, beginning earlier this year, has put a number of uh, efforts into a legislative proposal that says, particularly due to COVID-19 and also due to the absence of any clear requirement or any alternatives, any approved and accepted alternatives to the banned equipment, um, it would make sense to, in order to comply with the law, for Congress to extend the deadline. That we asked for six months, uh, some are now considering a year or more. Um, there's no agreement exactly on, yet on that, but we had a big event last week on Wednesday uh, in her testimony before the House Armed Services Committee, uh, Defense Undersecretary for Acquisition and Sustainment, Ellen Lord, stated publicly that the Defense Department supports the extension of the deadline, not because anybody wants to be soft on China or help Huawei, but because it's much harder to execute under the current timelines with the absence of guidance. Got it. Uh, and that's anticipating, we're anticipating trying to get that in legislation this year. Right. And that could become a political issue, which means there could be opposition to it. It could be. And there certainly is. Uh, you had senators speaking out last week saying, don't go soft on China here. Uh, one of the problems is the deadline. Uh, we do have markup of the National Defense Authorization Act for FY21. Uh, the Senate Armed Services Committee has released a summary of that. We haven't seen the final text yet. We may by the time the show airs, but uh, we haven't yet. Um, but NDAA won't be passed by August 13th, and that's the statutory deadline, right? And so you need to have a congressional vehicle, a legislative vehicle by then. We have proposed at PSC that uh, that this extension be part of the next uh, legislation regarding COVID-19, whether it's CARES Act number two or whatever that they, it's the HEROES Act in, in the House, um, and then that would be a good vehicle to do it. But even there, we don't know if that legislation will be done by August 13th. So it's really critical that, uh, that this be addressed. Uh, companies are left in the lurch here without any clear idea of what to do or how to do it or when to do it. Yes, and it's more than just philosophical opposition to using the equipment. If, you, if contractors have to change out gear 
It could be expensive. It could be expensive. It would be expensive in many cases. Uh, you got to extend this down to subcontractors as well. And, uh, and they obviously don't, don't even have a start on this yet. You don't have an approved list of what alternative equipments there are, what the pros and cons of using that alternative equipment would be. And, t- and time is too short to actually execute this. It makes no sense to continue with this deadline. It actually ends up helping the Chinese more than it hurts them uh, by doing it wrong instead of doing it right. Got it. We're speaking with David Berteau, CEO of the Professional Services Council. And overlaid with all this is the pandemic response and agencies beginning to at least make reopening plans, few people trickling back here and there. And it's not clear that there's an overarching policy by the government for reopening. It's left to regional managers and so forth based on local conditions. What have you heard? What are you thinking about whether when they do reopen offices here and there, whether contractors will be let in? Right. And so many people in the government, including are using the term reopen uh, at PSC, because our members actually never closed. They just worked differently. And nor did uh, the we, government offices. Nor did the government offices. Uh, the, the government's work continued and the contractors who support them, their work continued as well. So we just call it return to office or return to facility. Sometimes it's not an office. It's I prefer that term. Yes. Website, right? Everybody's yeah. been working their butts so, off. Exactly. And, and in fact, productivity in many cases has been up. Uh, during the last three months from from working differently or working remotely uh, in many cases, uh, both in the, on the government side and, and on the contractor side. Um, what, what we don't have, though, is uh, we do have a set of issues that everybody's dealing with, uh, companies in bringing their own people back and the government bringing their people back. How do you do this in a manner that's safe for the employees? How do you do it in a manner that's consistent with the structure of the facility? Um, you know, you can't put 20 people on an elevator the way you used to, or even have them all stand in line to get in the door in the morning, right? And so there are a lot of issues that come up. What we've seen so far is no consistent guidance from federal agencies, and in many cases, no written guidance that applies to contractors. The guidance only seems to apply to the federal civilian or the uniform personnel employees. And so PSC is, of course, working to say, hey, you got to think about the contractors as you do this as well. Do you want us to come back? If you do, how do we do it safely and productively as well? This is an issue that's going to have to play itself out in real time. And I'm, and I'm afraid we're going to make some mistakes before we get better. The other thing, of course, is there's still so much we don't know about the disease itself. What does it take to infect you? How do you get infected? You saw last week a little bit of a, a uproar over, over do asymptomatic persons uh, infect people or not? And, uh, and I think in the course of 24 hours, we had five different positions on that question. Right. And, and, and so the, the knowledge base that we would like to have is also uh, still forming as well. So mostly, you know, for my members, their employees are their supply chain, right? It's not like they're in the business of components. We're in the services contracts business. People are the most important thing. Sure. You've got to protect your workforce. And, and so that's the primary goal and objective across the board. And I was just thinking with all those elevator rules coming to all the buildings, it could be an hour wait to get up to the Tower Club. I believe that there have been calculations that for particular high rises, not so much in Washington, D.C. area, but perhaps in New York City, uh, it would take four hours for the workforce to get to the office and then four hours for them to leave. That doesn't leave you a whole lot of time to get work done. No, so everyone's going to be pecking away on their computers in the lobby. And just a final question while we have a minute. NDAA, National Defense Authorization Act, it seems that it's starting to be formed. I mean, there's work going on. There's going to be markups. What are you expecting or hoping at this point? Well, this would be the 60th year in a row in which a National Defense Authorization Act would be enacted by Congress, which is a string that's matched only by appropriations. 
and, uh, and in fact, sometimes not even appropriations for some agencies, right? And so we have high confidence that, uh, that the Senate and House Armed Services Committee will reach agreement and that there'll be a law signed. Um, the NDA has a lot of provisions in it. Obviously, it provides the authorization for, for the military. Uh, but from a PSC point of view, the more interesting elements and the more important elements are often those related to contracts and contractors, right? Um, every year, Congress says we're going to have fewer changes in acquisition laws. And every year, they end up with more. Last year, they had so many that their numbering system failed, and they had to loop back and start putting letters in as well as numbers. Yes, so one of the- recall that. We, we we do at PSC have a number of provisions that we've recommended. In fact, I can provide you a link to our uh, letter uh, so that you can post that uh, as well. And we continue to work with the committees as they mark up and, and, the, and the floor amendments are proceeded as Congress moves forward here. David Berteau is president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. Look forward to the next time. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.